Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. It's been a fantastic few weeks of this series. I'm excited about what has already happened, and I have great expectation for what's going to happen today. So with that in mind, do me a favor and turn over to John chapter 4 if you are taking notes. Excuse me, John chapter 4. And you might want to bring that down just a hair because we're ringing a bit. But John chapter 4, it's an exciting passage of Scripture And I'm going to read a lot of verses today. Normally, I wouldn't necessarily do this on a Sunday morning, but I think it it lends to the story, and it's going to help kind of set the pace for you to understand. Uh, I've said this before, but many of you are so new, which I love it. I love, I love, I love, I love the new faces, the new people, and the new life, and the new energy. But what you don't know about me is that, or maybe some of you don't, I love the Bible. And when I see the Bible, I see it in full color. I see it in 4D or just such thing or 4H or 4Q or whatever it is. I see it real bright. I see it like live people, real circumstances. And the reason why that's important is because this is not some antiquated book that doesn't matter for your life today. The things that we'll be talking about are things that I hope when you leave this room, you can walk back to your life, to your jobs to your relationships, to your families, and you can apply the principles that we learned here at this church. And so that's why we're so excited about the word. In John chapter 4, you're going to find a story that's probably pretty familiar to most of you. We're continuing this theme of clean house. Excuse me. John chapter 4 is the story that has been told over and over again. As a matter of fact, when I was looking it up, I saw about 100 different references to the story about the woman at the well. Does anybody know that story? And I've had my own kind of preconceived uh, notion or what idea I had of what the woman was like and what the story consisted of. But I feel like God is breathing something fresh and new in it this morning. So with that being said, let's pray and let's welcome the Holy Spirit one more time. Lord, you are welcome in this place. And we thank you for what you've already started to do through worship. And I ask you to continue it now with your word. Let it live in the hearts of the people who are in this room and who are watching by way of live stream. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. did you guys enjoy that new song today? Yeah. Yay. Uh, I don't normally say this, but that was a song that we just wrote, me and my team. Yeah. And you know how it is, like when, like when you're introducing a baby, and if somebody comes up to your new baby and says, ooh, that's a baby. <laughs> you know what they're saying, right? So I was, I told the team, I was like real nervous about kind of birthing something because we've written, I've written, we've written a ton of songs, but when we're in a new season of birthing and writing, you're presenting this thing that we've been working on for weeks and weeks to a congregation. But don't you love that bridge? Uh, I forgot how it goes. What's the first lyric, team? Oh, there it is. I fixed my, think of that, think of that. I fixed my eyes on the God who's faithful. Through every storm, he will not be shaken. My futures, oh, you got it. It's first time. In our great redeemer, his name is Jesus. One more time. His name is Jesus. Oh, I can hear that on the radio. I can hear churches singing it all over the country. Yeah. And you learned it quick. So we released the baby today. Thank you, Jesus, for anointing our baby. Um. 
So in, in, in John chapter 4, it's a really, really cool story about the Samaritan lady. And I feel like it's important because I think that some of the similarities that she has or things that she carries, I believe that many of us carry as well. And before we start with that, I've got a quick illustration for you because I know, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because if you don't raise your hands, I know you are lying in church. Okay. So I know that all of us have a drawer, come on, or a closet, or some of us a room that we don't want anybody to see what's in that drawer, that closet, that room. Am I talking to the right people? You get your house all cleaned up. You got folks coming up. It's spick and span. I'm not a big duster, but you do the whole thing. But everybody's got that drawer, that room, that rug that you ain't trying to let nobody else see. So I figured I would go ahead and be the example today. Go ahead and do me a favor and bring that up for me if you would. So yesterday, by way of illustration, thank you, sir. I just went to, oh, you got it. So I went to one of the drawers in a random room in my house that was an extra room, and I just said, I'm going to stick my hand in this drawer and see what comes out. <laughs> Here's what came out. First thing came out, a CD <laughs> that I don't have a CD player for, but it's, uh, it's Martha Munizzi, The Best Is Yet To Come. Anybody know that record? That's a great record. We did that a lot. Um, on that same drawer was a box of crayons. <laughs> When my nephews and nieces and kids come over, we got a box of crayons. In the same drawer, just did a random check, was one of these guys. <laughs> now, I'm single, so I don't know how this thing works. Put it up against the, the back. So there's this guy that was in the drawer. And I don't even, I, don't, I have no idea how this got to my house. Same drawer, regular drawer. Let me see what else I pulled up. I pulled up this. <laughs> This is a Christmas ornament that had no business in that drawer. Don't know who it, where it came from. I didn't go to Hobby Lobby. I don't know how it got to my house. Somebody must have gifted it to me, a couple more things. Just random stuff. I pulled up this. I don't even know what this is. What is this? What's it for? To hold your socks up. Is this 1937? Where did, where did this... I, I honestly, I don't know what it is, and I don't know how it got into my proverbial drawer. A couple more things, and I'm done. I found this guy. This is some type of a spoon, spork kind of thing that came from some probably kid's mill somewhere. And then the last thing I found in my drawer was this guy. Do you remember him? What's his name? Oh. That my nephews over here gave me this guy. It's a black superhero. And so, <laughs> and so they gave him to me. I don't remember his name, but I was so happy to find him. Do you remember this, Caden? Okay, it's Falcon. Somebody. You'll oh, see it from the Avengers. He's got it all laid out. So what I was happy about is, or what I realized, all of us have a drawer or a room or a closet. And there's stuff that ends up in that drawer, that room, that closet, some of which we don't even know how it got there. Right? We don't know what person it was that gifted it to us. 
where it came from, what store it was, what kids meal that came out of. We don't know some of those places. And I realized, oh, that's the exact same thing that happens with us spiritually. We're talking about cleaning our house. And I started thinking about the thoughts that I find in my spiritual drawers, as it were, or closet. And I started thinking about some of the mentalities and ways of thinking that I somehow picked up. And I don't know exactly where it came from. I don't know when. Thank you, sir. It became a part of my life. It became a part of my way of functioning and believing. But I can tell you this, what I've learned through these years is that in those places where we don't necessarily have these conversations all the time, it is so important for you to unpack those drawers. It is so important for you to unlock some of those places that you think a certain way and you don't even realize how you started thinking like that. I didn't do the test that I was going to do, which was going to my closet. Because <laughs> you could have found, what you would have found in my closet is three different sizes of clothes. <laughs> Little, current, and big. And you find out where all this stuff is at. And I realized, you know, I will say this, this is just as an aside. There's something in one of my closets that I'm not going to throw away. It's a pair of Levi's overalls. Right now, I'm too big to wear them. But at some point, when you see me on a Sunday morning, <laughs> I'm going to rock them Levi's overalls. I'm going to have one strap falling down to the side. I'm bringing back the 80s, baby, or 90s, or whatever it was. <laughs> it's still in my closet. So I didn't even do the closet check, but there's all kinds of stuff that we accumulate that we have no business keeping. Right? We pick up all this stuff, and it's just filling up space. And it's taking up a room that has so much other potential for you to put the God things in there. We have so much stuff that we pick up along the way. And if we don't do what Pastor Chris said, take inventory. And Pastor Richard talking about making sure that we get rid of the chaos. It's all kind of the same concept, same principle. But I'm a firm believer that those places and those things that we don't identify and come to terms with and come to grips with, some of those places can affect your life in a negative manner. Now, here's the flip side. Some of the things you find in there can be a positive benefit to your future. And it can be a blessing to you because I didn't know I had Phantom Hawk, whatever his name was in there. I didn't know, so we're going to play and we're going to have fun with it. But those are the things we're talking about. So I got to set you up real quick for this story. It's in John chapter 4. It's the story of the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. And here was my original thought of what it meant. I've heard many, many, many messages about it. And I've heard that this lady who Jesus encounters at the well, many people said that she might have been a prostitute or harlot or whatever because she had all these multiple guys that she'd been with. Um, many people say that because she was at the well at the middle of the day, which was 12 o'clock that time, which they say at that point was not a time when people would normally go to the well. Some people say, well, she went there because she was so ostracized by her community that she was embarrassed to go when the women normally would go, which was in the morning or the evening. 
And then I've heard all these different things about, you know, she was hiding this stuff and she had all these things in her closet. And then Jesus asked her about her husbands and she finds out. But when you start to investigate this story a little bit deeper, you get a different perspective on this Samaritan woman. Now, I don't have a whole lot of time. And as I said, I wouldn't normally do this, but I'm going to read verse by verse and we're going to break down as much as I can in the time that we have. Are you with me? All right, verse 3 in John chapter 4 says this, Jesus left Judea, Judea, and he parted again, departed again into Galilee. But he needed, somebody say needed. needed. Now that word needed, if you go back to the original closest translation, which is the, the King James Version, it says he must needs. In other words, this was something that he had to do. Not geographically, please understand this. Geographically, he didn't have to necessarily go through the city to get where he was going, but the Bible says he needed to go, and I believe that was because there was something waiting for him in the closet of Samaria. That's what I believe, that there was something that hadn't been uncovered yet in the proverbial space that this woman, Samaritan woman, had had. So the Bible says he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sakar, near the plot of ground of the, of, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour, which is about noontime. And it says here that Jesus was tired from his journey. Now we all know that Jesus is 100% the son of God. But we also have to realize that Jesus was 100% human. And I began to look up this passage and I looked geographically and it said that the journey that Jesus had taken on this trip from Judah to Galilee basically was about a 70 mile journey. Now understand this, he's a man, he's a human being. The Bible says that the way that his way of transport was not on horses or donkeys. It was on foot. How many of you know that there was no Wawa or Bucky's for him to stop at? <laughs> Anybody been to Bucky's? Oh, a few of you have. There was no Wawa. There was no Bucky's. He couldn't stop and get gas and get him some Skittles and a can of Coke or whatever. Jesus was walking 70 miles. And the Bible says that it probably took him about two and a half days or so to get to this point in the story. So how many of you know if you've been walking for two and a half days, you're probably pretty tired. So Jesus does the logical, reasonable thing, and he sits down by this well. Verse 7 says, a woman in Samaria came to, to draw water. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, give me a drink. And he doesn't do it this harsh. We, we can only translate it this way. But he asked her. He wasn't being belligerent or a jerk about it. He said, hey, can I get a drink of water? For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The woman, said, uh, the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now let's stop right there for a minute. If this woman is a prostitute or a harlot, or somebody who had no understanding about the things of God, somebody who'd been painted into a corner because of whatever society thought she was, how many of you know it's not very likely then that she was going to understand the Jewish customs, religious things that were surrounding her? Does that make sense? 
She didn't just ask some random question. She asked him a very specific spiritual type of question. I'll read it again. The woman says, um, for just, the woman says, how is it that you being a Jew are asking a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10 says it, but Jesus answered her and said, if you only knew the gift of God, who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have even given you more than just water. He would have given you living water. Now, I don't know if you're seeing what's happening here, but there's an implication that this woman has been searching for something her entire life. She's been searching for something spiritual that at this point, she's in the middle of the day. Now, how many of you know, I understand that when you're just going through your life circumstances, the grocery store, the movies, your job, to pick up your kids in the school line or whatever it is, how many of you know sometimes in those moments, we're not less necessarily looking for this great spiritual awakening to happen right there? But we do know that Jesus had to go through Samaria because somebody's faith was drawing him to that location. And I want to encourage you because we think that God is moved by need and the fact is he's not. Right? If he was, then some of the richest places or some of the most desolate places that are broken, impoverished would be the first place where God moves. But God is moved by your faith. God is moved by your faith. I'm going to say it again. God is moved by your faith. So when you set your heart, something about this lady's testimony compelled him to come through that city. We're going to read on. Then the woman says in verse 11, it says, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and this well is deep. Where then do you think you're going to get this water from? Are you greater? Watch this. This is another spiritual question that she lays out. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us, note there, our father? Different breed, different background, different history, but she understood the big picture that somehow they were connected through this father, our father Jacob, who gave us this well. And it goes on and drank from it himself as soon as his sons, as well as his sons and his livestock. Verse 13. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water is going to thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I'll give him will never thirst again. But the water I shall give him will become a, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Verse 15, I know I'm going fast. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Hey, give me this water. It's the middle of the day. Now, I don't know how many of you have had a chance to go to Israel, but we did in 2017, I think it was, right? And we went to what would be probably the equivalent of someplace near this story. And we went in April. And in April, in the middle of the day, it was blazing hot. It was hot, hot. And we walked around and there were hills that I didn't realize would be in Israel. And there were all kinds of places where the sun was beating down on us. And so take it back to natural, normal, actual things that happened. This woman is roasting hot. She's in the middle of the day grabbing water for her kids, her family, or whatever it is that she needed water for. And Jesus comes in and says to her, hey, you know that water that you're talking about? I'm going to give you something deeper. I'm going to go beyond the front door and into your closet. I'm going to go beyond 
us coming into church and doing our nice things and the things that we do and it's glad and I'm glad we get to it and I'm glad we're growing and I'm glad we're increasing and I'm glad there's a lot of you who are new to this house. But can I tell you, if you spend very much time with me, I'm knocking on those drawers. I'm knocking on those closet doors because I realize that at some point, the surface stuff is not going to get you to your freedom and your breakthrough. Come on. All the stuff. And I know it's uncomfortable for many of you. I've had many conversations even recently. I get it. I know you don't know me from Adam, right? So I get that you don't share everything with everybody. But I'm just telling you, I've lived this thing, been around it long enough, been in relationships long enough. All of the things that I know, I don't want your closets popping up on me <laughs> in the middle of while we're serving together. That makes sense? I don't want all the stuff that we, we, we brush over and cover up and you come in looking good, smelling good, having the right things to say, all that. I don't want that stuff popping up on me in the middle of when we're going to war. Or we're fighting a battle together. And you're like, oh, by the way, in my closet, I forgot to tell Oh, I, have I forgot to tell you, right? I forget what movie that was where it says, well, that would have been pertinent information yesterday. <laughs> so we find here that this woman is saying, listen, uh, Jesus is, is confronting her. In verse 11, we'll read again. The woman says, sir, do you have nothing to draw with? Our father Jacob, verse 13, Jesus said to her, whoever drinks, no, we'll go past that. Look at verse 15. It says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, oh, watch Jesus, watch Jesus, watch Jesus. They're having specific conversations. And Jesus just goes right to that uncomfortable spot. <laughs> you ever been in a situation like that? I'm that guy. I'm real comfortable at poking. I love it. Because I know. If I can get in there, all oh, the type of freedom you can experience that you didn't even know. So Jesus says, he takes it back from the whole, this is the, your father Jacob's well, da-da-da. And he goes straight to the heart of the matter. And he says to her, verse 15, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst to come again. And Jesus said to her, hey, go call your husband and have him come get you some water. Now, he didn't do this in a rude vicious, malicious, unwelcoming attitude or manner. If you know Jesus, he's saying, okay, this woman's ready to play a little bit. She knows about the things of the spirit. She's clearly looking for something. Let's go ahead and go and see how far she'll go with me. So he asks her, go and get your husband to come here. And we notice here in this next verse 17, the woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said well that I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you have now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Now, here's what I never saw in this passage. It didn't say you had five different lovers. It didn't say that you had five different people that you dealt with with some kind of illicit thing. It says you had five husbands. Now, we don't know historically. There was a season while they were living where there was a lot of war. How many of you know a lot of people die in war? 
there were different rules that took place during that time, even along the lines of marriage. We don't know for sure. The Bible says that she was living, the guy who she was living with wasn't necessarily her husband. I heard some commentators actually say that there was a whole law where if your husband died, many times you would go in and be with the brother to keep the genealogy going. Did y'all know that? So we assume this lady was like this harlot, but we don't know what's in her closet. We don't know. So we find out, Jesus says, hey, you told me the truth that you didn't have. You didn't have five, or you, you're not, you know, with a, your current husband. You told me the truth in that. But look what the next part of the verse says. It says here, the woman said, sir, to him, to him, excuse me, sir, I perceive. Somebody say perceive. Perceive is just another way of saying I see, which is also another way of saying in this particular passage, I believe that you are a prophet. I believe that the thing I've been waiting for all this time, now it's in the middle of day in my normal circumstances. Whoa, I just encountered the promise I've been waiting for the entirety of my life. I believe that you are the prophet. You are the son of the living God is what she says. Verse 20 says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. It goes through this whole back and forth about worshiping, where to worship, what's proper, what's improper. We won't even read all that. Verse 25, jump there and says, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell me all of these things. How many of you know that's a statement of faith? Do you hear that? That is faith. That is her saying, I've waited. I've been believing God. I've been asking him. I've been praying. I've been standing firm on the promise that I thought he had for me. And this woman goes on and says, I know the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he's going to tell us. And then Jesus, for one of the first times in the Bible, now he'd been with his prophets, for his apostles several years at that point, or disciples. And Jesus had not yet revealed himself as the Messiah. But this woman's faith was so strong. <laughs> this woman's faith is so strong that it's the first time that you see Jesus say to her, you know what? You are compelling me so strong with your fire and your belief for who I am. I'm going to tell you who I am. I am the Messiah. This is in the middle of the day. Now we're going somewhere with all that. But she, he says to her, so Jesus said to her, I am who you, excuse me, I who speak to you am he. 27 and we're almost done. At this point, the disciples come back. Verse 28 is what I want you to jump in on. The woman left her water pot and was so overwhelmed by this encounter with God that she left the very thing she was coming there to get, went on her way into the city and said to the men, to the men, Come and see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. I still have a song in me about come see a man. You hear that? Yeah. Somebody's going to enjoy it, whoever that was over there. They're going to be singing loud. Um, but come see a man. I know that there's a lyric in there somewhere. But it says, um, a man who told me all the things that I ever did, could this be the Christ? And they, watch this, not for a harlot. Not for some lady who'd been whatever around the block. They came out based on her word to them. Do you see that? 
So this lady we've kicked to the curb and said she's terrible and da-da-da. She must have had some type of influence because these people are coming based on the word that she gave. They come out to see her. Um, verse 37, we're landing. For in this saying true, one souls, another reaps. We'll move on. Verse 39. You're doing a great job back there, by the way. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city did what? They believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified and told me everything that I ever did. And I'm going to jump down and land here. Verse 42 says, then they said to the woman, now believe me, not because of what you said, for we found ourselves and we heard him and we know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let me bring this home. This woman's picture of how people had painted her could have kept her from believing that there was a purpose of God on her life. This woman's maybe inner dialogue, this woman's way of thinking about herself, this woman's way of dealing with whatever societal pressures or things were out there could have kept her from believing who she was in God. And here's what I love probably the most about this story is that one encounter with Jesus changed everything about the way she saw herself. Like, no, no, like, like, like not a nice little moment in we worship, duh. No, like a real encounter with Jesus, it changed her to the point that she goes out and testifies to all the people in that region. The Bible historically will tell you that she's one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived during that time, that many, many, many people came to know Jesus because of her. And here's the thing that I thought was the most fantastic. The Bible does not say that she spent three and a half, five years, $75, $150 a visit with some person that she had to talk to about it. She talked to Jesus. Right? She didn't have her counselor on speed dial. She talked to Jesus. And that's why I get so excited about giving you a moment to be able to encounter God. Because when we're taking those moments in worship, and I'm, I'm asking you to lift up your hands, and I'm asking you to sing, and we're, we're compelling you to get in the word. She talked to Jesus. That's where her whole life was turned upside down. And then she goes on and she witnesses about all the things that he had done for her. And that entire region was transformed. I'm going to land this with one thing I want to show you. If you guys could put, cue up that video for me real quick and we'll play it and we'll close out. Here we are. We're driving back. Oh my God. This is my grandma that I've never seen before. Oh my God. I am Lindsay. English. English, English boy. Uh, don't cry. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh she's crying. Yeah, 
I've flown all the way across the world to meet me. She thought that thing is about eight minutes. We have no truth about it. Oh, shoot. Now it's real. Yes, it is real now. Yeah. <laughs> so I show you that video because that's my Mbuya. That's what you call her. And that's the Zimbabwean name of saying grandmother or big mama in our culture. I met her in 2018 for the first time. I was 40, whatever I was, in 2018. It's four years ago. I didn't know about my Mbuya. I didn't know she existed. I didn't know anything about that side of the family. I didn't know, as a matter of fact, some of you may know part of this story, but I thought my whole life I was Nigerian because that's what I had been told in my closet. For that whole time, I thought that I was Nigerian. And so I found out because I did what I'm asking you to do. I started asking my mom questions that we'd never talked about before. I started asking her saying, hey mom, tell me a little bit about who my dad actually was since I didn't really know him. Can you give me some insight? Can you tell me a little bit about how he was? What was his personality like? What are the things that kind of made him attractive to you? We'd never talked about it until I was 40 something years old what would I be in I'm 50 now I said minus four that's four what is it rounded carried a two I was uh I was 40 <laughs> everybody's like man you can't subtract four from 50 what's wrong with you I was I, I was 46 I didn't even know my grandmother existed I didn't know my whole life that this little lady had been waiting to meet me if you see the video, it's in Zimbabwe. I found out at 46 years old, I wasn't Nigerian. I was Zimbabwean. People have been telling me my whole life, oh, you look Nigerian. You look like you're from this tribe because your nose is shaped like this. I'm like, no, you was wrong. <laughs> I'm Zimbabwean. So I drive up on this sweet little old lady. What they, didn't tell, what they, they told me, is that was probably about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. She'd been sitting out there in that chair since about 8 o'clock that morning. And she went out and found her finest pearls that she could find. If you see it, it's abject poverty. There's no running water. There's no nothing, no lights inside. Lord God, there ain't no cell phones, Wi-Fi, nothing. So I tell this story. Because I had to spend the time saying to my mom, I don't know what you think are in those closets, but I'd like to know because it might shape my life a little bit. Right? What you might be able to tell me might be able to shift something inside of me. I gave this story about four years ago 
But there was so much more that happened on that trip to Zimbabwe. I found out that I was the only child in a line of about four, 11 different brothers and sisters. So I had all these uncles I never met, all these aunts and cousins that I never met. I went to one of my uncle's houses. His name was Uncle T.D., like T.D. Jakes. He was blind. He was a character. I walked in, and he started crying. And he said, Lindsay, you don't understand that we've been praying for generations for there to be a minister in our family. <laughs> and we found you. And you're the first one that's ever carried the torch for the things of God. I wouldn't have known it if I hadn't looked in the closet. I didn't know she existed. So when I'm preaching to you, and we're asking you, not just put your business in the streets, but to let people get into those, some of those areas, there might be things in you that can unlock part of your destiny that you didn't even know about. I tell you this story because Mbuya, at 98 years old, passed last Thursday. And I was so glad that I did what I'm asking you to do. Let God show you those places. My mom thought she was carrying this big shame and this big sin, and I sat and talked with her. I said, Mom, thank you so much for opening up to me and sharing another part of you that I didn't know and, and all these things that shifted in my life because I had this one encounter with, with God through this scenario and it's unlocked things in me, and I'm a different person. And when I came back, the way that I see ministry and people, all of it changed because I realized that God had placed something in me. I didn't even know why he put it there. I didn't know why I served God for the bulk of my life. So I got to talk to my uncles yesterday, and they said that Mbuya, is what you call her, specifically asked about me on her deathbed. She wanted to know if her, if her grandson was still preaching the gospel. Still leading people into the presence of God. She got 13 kids. You know how many grandkids she got? She asked about me. And so I'm asking you as I close, let God dig into those closets, man. Not everybody has to see your stuff. You don't have to pull out your 80s overalls. <laughs> but there's something in there you need to pull on up and let God show you who he's called you to be. I love this season. We got so many new people in this church right now. I love it. If you're coming back, I pointed you out, Kyrie. You know why? Because I'm the same dude. A little less hair. A little wider. But the same God that we tried to show you 20 years ago, when you were four years old, when you were whatever age you were, that same God has been working in us. And he's teaching us how to expose and teaching us how to be open and teaching us how to look in the closets and the drawers He's been showing us, and it's been a great journey, girl. Welcome home. Welcome back. 
Lord, you're going to give us moment after moment in this next season to open our hearts, to look in those closets, to open those drawers. You might find a superhero. I didn't even show you the last piece, or maybe they took it out. I had a baseball in there. I don't even own a glove, Chris. Where did I get a baseball from? Was that from you? Are you serious? I came and spoke at your senior night. I sang the national anthem, and this man gave me a baseball. He gave me the game ball. Is that ball still there? I need Chris to sign that ball before the day is over. <laughs> I didn't even know where it came from. And that's what you're going to find. You're like, dang, how do I think that way? And you'll trace it back. Oh, my God. That's where that came from. Some of it you keep. And some of it, you find somebody who has a truck, get you a flatbed, and take that crap to the dump. Right? You figure it out. Did you get something today? Ah, we're done. <laughs> I love God. <laughs> Let's pray. Bow your heads, man. Lord, thank you for being so good to us. You're awesome. And in this moment, I recognize that there are different levels of expectation and just different levels of impartation, different levels of interaction. And I ask you, Lord God, as we're talking about this series of Cleaning House, let people in this room begin to find those places, the drawers, the closets, the rooms that you want them to go through, investigate some of the stuff they're going to keep and some of those old ways of thinking and feeling. Where'd that come from? God, help them to get rid of that. Lord, those tinges of pain, the frustration, the guilt, the hurt, the bitterness, the anger, some of them don't even know where it came from. I'm asking you, God, to help them to let it go. And I'm asking you, Lord, in this next season, how you so graciously and mercifully showed that Samaritan woman that one encounter with you would change her whole life. And God, let us be witnesses unto your goodness all the rest of the days of my life. If you guys would indulge me, can we pray for my Mbuya's family? Lord, I just pray for Mbuya. I pray for my uncles and aunts and cousins and everybody who's going to be a part of that ceremony this coming couple days and I just thank you for the heritage that's been placed inside of me she loved you and she served you and she knew you so Lord thank you that she's dancing and enjoying freedom and victory in her body but that 98 year old body God is now renewed in your presence and I just thank you for being so gracious to us we love you Jesus we worship you and we give you the honor that you deserve. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.